Welcome to our episode 100 special of Oxl FM, where Gelada and I discuss some of our favourite episodes, some developments on topics previously discussed, as well as laughing at some of the many outtakes along the way. Hello and welcome to the episode, and an important episode, of Oxle FM. I'm Saffron. And I'm Gelada. And this is our 100th episode. Ooh, Celebration ooh. extravaganza. My god, 100 episodes. Well, I mean, it, it's gone pretty quick. It has right? gone quick. I, I vaguely remember recording the first episode, mm. sitting down and recording episode zero. Mm. What a mistake that was. Yeah. This is actually episode 101, but we'll ignore that. This is numbered 100, so this is Let's what we're going to never with. speak of it again. <laughs> it was your fault. I, I, I'm blaming you entirely on this one. I think it was because we'd also done the same thing for our previous podcast, right? Mm. I think we did the same thing. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is our 100th episode, and it's gone by super quick we've we've been doing this for almost four years um Mm. like for just like three and three quarter years i think by the time this episode releases we've pretty much Um, never missed an episode as well right certainly a main release we've never missed i think Um, we were late by like a day on an episode like i think it went out on a wednesday rather than a tuesday but i think most people wouldn't even notice because they'll just download automatically via whatever app they're using and then that's it so that's kind of crazy like i think for me it's less about the time although that is a big deal and more about the fact that for that entire time we've managed to release episodes yeah (laughs) which is pretty astounding i think occasionally we've had like certain spots where we've been a little bit short of ideas and Mm. we've kind of fell back on sort of easier things like list episodes but those are fun to do as well and they're always fun to listen to so i guess it's not been a bad thing i i I don't feel like we put out a quote-unquote bad episode like, I'm proud mm. of, of some episodes more than others. Mm. The ones that we've really kind of worked on, we put some research into and that kind of thing. But I don't think any of them are outwardly bad. Mm. Yeah, agreed. But I guess I'm biased. Yeah. You know? tell, um, us, tell, tell, tell us, listeners, comment no, on please Twitter. Don't. Please don't. I don't want to hear when they're... I don't want to hear about our bad episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we, we've been umming and ahhing for weeks. Like, what do we do for our big episode number? And we've settled on sort of going back really over the over the last 101 episodes and pulling out some bits that we wanted to recap on and sort of things that have changed because you know a lot changes in four years and also just talk a little bit about the things that we particularly really liked mm. to, you know to talk about and sort of a bit of reminiscing um and yeah we're also gonna uh, intersperse a few little clips from uh, some of the episodes that we're talking about, maybe some outtakes that uh, either haven't been in or, you know, just our, our sort of top outtakes um, from either this or are we going to, are we going to intersperse some life in little life in hex outtakes as well? I think it would be funny. Yeah. If so we did. <laughs> if you hear a slightly higher pitched, faster version of us talking, <laughs> then that is what it is. Um, I might, and try and, quality. might try and get some like musical interludes in. In, in between like little some little uh what do you call them little motifs in between uh to sort of signal that so that you're not like why why have they started talking slightly differently and the quality has changed um but yeah why hopefully, it more british hopefully you uh enjoy the little little uh, outtakes and, and clips and bits and pieces as well hello and welcome to the dusty drink podcast aka life in hex i'm Severin and i'm gelada and we're gonna uh Take some cool stuff. Indeed. It's a little podcast. This is our first episode. We had a bit of a pilot episode, which kind of went wrong. Episode zero. Episode zero. Maybe we'll release that one day. We should release that. I think once we get big, big, everyone can start laughing at how bad we were. We got like 50 episodes. Like how we're amazing. Yep. Or not. If that ever happens. One of the things that we often mention at the end of almost every single show is, oh, this was interesting. We should do a follow-up on this. Yeah. We very rarely do. Mm. And that's not because we're not interested, but oftentimes we just forget what we've said um, yeah. <laughs> because you're so quick onto editing the next episode and prepping for the next one that you just sort of like forget what you're doing. Mm. So this is uh, giving us an opportunity to go back over some episodes that we feel like we could do a follow-up on or things have changed about or our opinions have changed, etc. Yeah. So... 
that's what this is for. And it's funny as well, because if we don't do a follow up, what we do sometimes <laughs> do is just repeat ourselves, um, which is really amusing. You pointed out um, that w- there's a recent episode that we did, which was defining a genre. And we talk about RTS and four years ago, <laughs> it was three and a half years ago, we basically did the same thing in episode four. Uh, and what we're talking about today, bud? Today, we are talking about our favourite real-time strategy games. Yeah, I think we, we mentioned maybe one or two games differently, but otherwise we talked about Age of Empires 2 and Warhammer 40,000 Dawn of War. And I think I proceeded to wax lyrical about my love for world in conflict. And, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm impressed that we've only done that once. <laughs> you say That's... that, we, we could probably do with doing some more research into that quote. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... It's not bad that we've managed to not repeat ourselves too much. Yeah. But this just shows how much that we love those games, right? Yeah, absolutely. Enough to talk about them twice. And also, you know, you probably, everyone probably forgot as well. Yeah. Yeah, no one remembers episode four, surely. Uh, th- there will be that one dedicated fan that knows more about the episodes and what we've said than, mm. than us. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I-, I am sure of this. So, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I went back and looked back over all our episodes. And one of the earliest ones, I think, that we kind of wanted to recap on was back in episode 12 right when we talked about mobile games and we said that mobile games were mobile games are rubbish okay hello welcome to another episode of octal fm i'm gelada and i'm saffron and today we're going to talk about why mobile games are just so rubbish <laughs> rubbish that very english word that we've chosen to why use are on the internet. so why are they so naff why are they yeah, so... <laughs> naff's a really good word for it, actually. I, I like that. I'm trying to think of more British words that we can use. Yes, very British of us. And, I mean, they're still a bit rubbish, right? Yeah. Three years like, later. I think, th- I think the thing that came from that episode that we talked about was how the games at the time i think what was popular at the time it was like pokemon go was was obviously really big yep and you had lots of the the cop clone games things like clan of wars and like lords mobile and Hmm. you know those kind of like base management style sort of games like that you know the legend 27 you know that that sort of that meme Hmm. And, and they were just they weren't fun and if they weren't like that then they were also sort of like your remember like the the barkle surrounding uh dungeon keeper like where you had to pay endless amounts of money to actually keep playing the game. You know, it was it was that a lot of the time. Like you had to pay money to make the game progress at any sensible speed. Otherwise, right. it just things were not even that they were slow, they were just like basically unplayable unless you paid for it. I remember one game yeah. that sort of booked the trend at the time actually, and it it was good, but it had its flaws as well was um Fallout Shelter. Oh yeah. That was that was pretty decent. Yeah, those kinds of like base building games, I guess, were quite popular at the time. And there's still a lot of influence there in sort of, you know, idle games, essentially, and that kind of whole genre of sort of games that you don't really need to do a lot to play. I actually watched a really good video um, from People Make Games, who I'm a patron of, and they did an, a YouTube video um, all about um, Cookie Clicker. Cookie yeah. Clicker? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which sort of like you know, is kind of one of the earliest examples, not the earliest, but one of the earliest examples of like an idle game. And it's funny, that's sort of almost, I guess they've always been there, but there's quite a lot of that now as well and has always been, I guess. That's sort of like passive progression style of game, I guess. The the reason that we mentioned at the time that they were just a bit rubbish though was that like, if you picked up at the time like your 3DS, because I think this was, just before the switch or was mm. it as the switch was just released whatever you like you could play games on the go on like a 3ds or a ps vita or whatever like really easily and there were so many great games on there and we just couldn't understand why like a mobile phone which is easily mm. as powerful as a, as a ds you know as a 3ds or a ps vita right maybe not as specialized but certainly as powerful enough to make a good gaming experience just had awful awful games on them like yeah and the other thing that i noticed as well is that many of those crap games were the ones that were pushed to the forefront right they were the ones that you go onto google play store you go onto the the you know apple app store whatever it was called these were the ones that were like under the games actually click on games and these were the ones that were pushed to the front right but there were great games to play 
even you know mm. back in 2017 like and there's even more now like i've i've made a note of a few here think a few of them here like in my notes like mini metro like um yep. and out there they were two games that i played back in 2017 but they're just you have to know they're there you mm. can't just browse them and even if you google search like uh good mobile games right and you get like you know pc gamers or like whatever's like review of like top 10 games to play on mobile or whatever even still you end up getting like oh well lord's mobile's pretty good you know like oh check out pokemon go it's like i, I want something a little bit more curated i want mm. a, a more thoughtful list than that so unless you know about it and oftentimes you find out about them randomly from like youtubers you watch or like you see someone else happening to play it or you or someone mentioned it on a podcast you don't know to go looking for them like one game that i have played almost more than anything else in the recent sort of year or two was arch hero Mm. which I think has become a little bit more normal mobile game affair, but it's still a really good, fun game. You know, it, it, it has a good sense of progression. There's, there's there's absolutely zero requirement to pay for anything, really, unless mm. you really want to sort of, like, min-max and, like, really go all the way. It's just a good, fun game that is a game rather than just, like, a clicker, mm. you know? And then yeah. in, in modern times as well, like... There are even more good games, but they're all just stuck behind that search. Yeah, I think it's actually an interesting point. I think that there's probably a there's a discussion point to be had. There's a whole other episode to be had mm. there around the mechanics of app stores, right? Because that's really what we're talking about here is that the this curated discoverability that essentially distills down to a chart and sometimes some like editor's choice sort of curation, lightweight curation from Google or Apple that really is is quite limited. And and I think the other thing is that, you know, back then in that episode, you know, we said that, you know, based on research, something like 85% of people had a smartphone or something like that, yeah. right? Like, yeah, like yeah. some crazy number, which is probably even higher now. Yeah. So the market penetration of of the platform is like the population which is very different to switch or 3ds at the time or vita or whatever especially vita um so that just drowns it out right mm. like the the movement of 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 the whole population drowns out sort of like the the gems in the rough kind yeah. of thing because created the, by it, people that sort of maybe know a little bit more about what yeah. makes a good game not not to like be elitist at all because obviously these games are, are no. wildly wildly successful and there's and nothing that's not to say <laughs> that like you know the average person that sits and just plays candy crush or monument valley or something doesn't enjoy those games of course they do and uh, but those games are just like objectively not as well made as an actual a game made specifically for gaming purposes if that makes mm. sense you know in terms of revenue yeah uh, which wow. i guess is less uh, less unsurprising i guess because um that's unsurprising is that right less surprising yes yeah, that's less surprising isn't it less unsurprising <laughs> is it? double negative well done <laughs> but yeah and i think that there was sort of a bigger trend towards like we've said really you know kind of like gacha games you know that's i think been a huge a huge push that's sort of you know essentially gambling right like 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 yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. that's why of course they're really popular and they're making lots of money because it's gambling like it's, it's effectively there's, gambling there's, but for, there's a reason why gambling is like a huge industry because but rather it, than getting more money out of it you're just getting pictures of your favorite characters or mm, something you know you know it like completely plays into that and um you know i think that legislation is quite far behind that kind of thing i know that there's some discussion in at the time of recording there's some new legislation around things like loot boxes and stuff and stuff like that coming in i don't actually know any details i just saw a headline oh i um, remember we did an episode on our loot boxes yeah games and we remember talking about like i think it was belgium that were basically like outlawing it and i think like in australia you had to also say like what your chances were and and give very very um transparent stats on everything etc oh it was the house of lords actually in the uk oh was it, it was that two was days it? ago yeah the, oh to, really <laughs> yeah it was recent at the time of recording uh, regular they they're calling for the house of lords gambling committee um is calling for a, a stronger regulation of loot boxes mm. so you know and it, you can see why because yeah. like these games like uh fake grand order arc knights azure lane marvel strike force all these games are just that right and that you can play them for free you definitely can 
and they're actually quite fun games that, that there's a lot more game to them than those sort of like uh idle like organization base building games there's mm. a lot more game aspect to them like art knights for example is actually really fun it's a really good tower defense game mm. but it gets to the point where you've kind of got to spend money if you want to continue making progress. Like, especially when you get to end game. Like, when we played Dragalia Lost, for example, mm. Dragalia Lost on Game Club, right? That had a similar sort of vibe that we didn't get to because we didn't play that far into it. But there is a point where, like, you sort of start needing to be able to spend the, the premium currency on upgrades and stuff like that. But these games in particular are even worse than that in that the game hooks you with fun gameplay but then it's like well you could just spend 12 pounds and you know make it slightly Mm. easier for yourself and that's how it gets you isn't it you know that's how it hooks you with that gambling yeah fix yeah and you know i i think there's a fine line there you know with my with my capitalist hat on i'm like is it necessarily okay is it necessarily a bad thing or is it just us whinging and Mm. wanting stuff for free or for cheap there's this sort of like informally known rule right which is that there are these kind of like cash cows for these games right people who spend thousands yeah, whales um yeah whales right exactly who spend a, an absolute fortune and that then funds the people who play for free or close to free yes yeah and also you would never get that much money out of someone if you, if the game only cost a pound right mm-hmm. or two pounds you know i think mobile pricing we talked about this at the time as well i think like Mobile app pricing and mobile game pricing, it never really, like, it's like, why do games, like, it kind of dictated the style of games, in my opinion, this is my hot take, Um, is that (laughs) Apple defining price, the starting price point for games right back in the day when they launched the App Store of, like, 79p or whatever. It was, like, 79p, £1.29, £2. You could obviously choose anything, but it was, like, they had, like, suggested prices. Doing that, was an interesting decision and i think you know there's i don't know for sure but like in my mind it feels like that kind of dictated a lot of yeah. of, of the because way traditional that video game companies you know like your nintendos your activisions your eas they're much less likely to want to spend like you know several million pounds on making a game that's really good to only then sort of be able to sell it for no more than say like two pounds right because as soon as because square come along onto the app store to try and sell a game for nine quid and people are like oh my god what the hell exactly yeah it just doesn't work (laughs) because the the attitude isn't there and it's like wow that's nine pounds that's still miles away from what premium you know uh, even like cheap games on like steam which aren't really good but like you like like I bought a game recently for twenty quid, and that's like I don't right. think twice about spending twenty pounds on a good game. But yet I would scoff at spending four pounds on a mobile game. Exactly. So um, it's just the attitude, I think, isn't yeah. it? Um, but yeah, so mobile games, you know, some stuff has changed in three years since we first did that episode, but also some stuff has definitely stayed the same. And so transitioning, hence the, the transistor. Oh, oh, uh, that's, oh. oh no, that's just bad. It, <laughs> I was trying to make a cool pun, but it didn't really work. Um, you know, this is going to be the, the second read, no, the third read record. One of the other things that we talked about quite a long time ago was uh, esports. Mm. We said we were talking about whether esports is going to be like the new spectator sport. And um, we were talking at the time a lot about. Uh, League of Legends, sort of the really big numbers, um, things like ESPN launching their own esports mm. uh, site, which still exists. I checked. Um, I was I was skeptical when I clicked on the link. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be gone, but no, it's still there. And today we're going to be talking about uh, esports, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about esports as a spectator sport. Mm. What we mean by that mostly is. The essence in which we watch esports like you would watch a more traditional sporting event, like uh, kind of soccer or American football or something along those kind of lines. We're not going to talk too much about um, the rise of esports, so to speak, because we kind of covered that a little bit in our MOBA episode, um, Mm. which was episode 11, I believe. And we might discuss more kind of like the nitty gritty of esports later on. It was episode uh, ten. Oh, no, episode. It was episode ten. Was it episode ten? Oh, wow. But we make these so quickly that I sometimes <laughs> I lose track. 
Uh, and plus the numbering's all all out of shape, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Someone deciding yeah. they wanted an episode zero. Start with episode zero. That sounded like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> at the time, it did. In three years' time, it's going to be really awkward. It's like episode fifty-seven point five. Exactly. Anyway. And there's sort of some interesting developments there, I think, since then, since mm. back, you know, in it was episode thirteen, so a yeah. long time ago. Well, um, things have things have changed a lot, mm. and things are, are, are quite tumultuous mm. because you get the rise of some games that are very, very popular. Like, for example, like uh, your Fortnites and your PUBGs are still as popular as ever mm. on mobile device. For example, like PUBG Mobile is like more popular than regular PC PUBG. Mm. You know, yeah. in terms of like sports as a sport to watch, right? And so that's kind of unexpected. Like at the time when we recorded the episode, we were talking about League of Legends and Dota because yeah. they were the ones, and StarCraft, they were the ones that were making money. But now these sort of like slightly more free to play casual games, quote unquote, are becoming mm. more popular, possibly because they've got an easier audience to hook because mm. more people can play them, maybe. I don't know. But then you've also got the fact that like services are going down. Like it was only not so long ago that Mixer went bust. Yep. Or well, not go bust, but Microsoft kind of cancelled it all. Yeah, and, like, they, they gave it to Facebook essentially. Yeah, and that kind of then got turned into Facebook gaming or whatever it's called. Like so it's it's all over the place. But one thing it you is. can't deny is that esports isn't going anywhere. Like mm. as a as a staple, it is now it is now constant. Like it's an it might change the way it's done. Like it might not always be Twitch as your primary thing and it might not always be, you know, PUBG and um, in the moment things like League and Valorant and stuff like that. But esports is not going anywhere for, at all now. This is, it's a, it's here to stay forever. I must admit, I expected more to change since in three years with esports than it has. Uh, I think, yes, the games have changed. Um, I think I'm kind of surprised that the platforms have stayed mostly the same. Mostly like the it same, is still yeah. Twitch um, as a thing. Uh, there is still not a great reporting scene, in my opinion, around esports. Um, you know, like we we highlighted that ESPN had their own kind of esports section. I wouldn't say that like, you know, dozens of high profile esports networks have kind of launched news sites or anything like that. Like there's mm. not sort of like plat- it doesn't feel like anyway that there's obvious platforms for that kind of thing. Twitch do now have their own esports tab on the website which they didn't have before Hmm. back in when we talked about this so you know it is becoming more front and center but not really as fast as i would have thought one thing that i was kind of hoping we'd see by now Mm. but it doesn't feel like the technology is quite caught up with it yet and i I would have thought it would have done in three years but it hasn't is having that interactable esport right this was sort of brought up when we also discussed the stadia yeah in the if you can have it, because I think you can, you now have the ability, like I, th- I know Mix was doing it, in that you can now stream natively. So that you're not just streaming a video of your game, but the game itself is like outputting itself to the to the stream, right? Or something right. along those lines. And you can kind of go further along those sorts of lines of having you be able to actually be part of the game itself rather than just watching a video of yeah, the game like being played. Yeah, like spectating games and stuff like that. Yeah, within the actual game itself. But through, say, Twitch or whatever... And then you can then kind of become your own camera and then you can watch what you want to watch from what angle you want to watch at. And that doesn't feel like it's going to be too hard to get to, but it hasn't actually come yet. No, I would expect that as well. But I think maybe there's just something to be said for just having a video stream. That's true. Just being able to sit and watch something rather than be part of it. Because also that was the the idea of Mixer, right? Like Mixer had more interactive elements to it. There was more ways that you could interact with streamers and with what was going on on the stream mm. and mix has gone you know so that obviously maybe that didn't work no um, maybe not you can do like multi streams on twitch where you're streaming yeah team like streaming yeah every, yeah team streaming but yeah there's not really been a huge change i think a couple of areas that i wanted to highlight around esports and and really more around twitch in general i guess is some of the changes with twitch around for example like launching games on twitch um, mm. has become more of a thing in the last mm. few years. So there's a really high-profile one, which is Valorant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Riot massively hyped Valorant by giving access to the game if you watched people stream it on Twitch. Yes, exactly, it's not the yeah. only one that did it, but it's one of the biggest ones that did it for building hype. Very recently, at the time of recording, um, Ubisoft followed suit. They've got a new Battle Royale game c- coming out um, called Hyperscape. 
I have tried it. I would not particularly recommend it. Um, mm. It's just very Battle Royale, but they launched it on Twitch. Exactly the same thing. It had nearly as many people watching it as Valorant whilst they were releasing access to this sort of like technical demo. Yeah. So there's sort of more, that's where I've seen some like interaction or sort of like, you know, removing of barriers between players, people watching esports or watching streamers and the sort of games themselves and, and video game developers and publishers and the other thing is that with um coronavirus esports and streamers as well has become a bigger thing at the moment and whether it stays that way or not i don't know but you know like you've you've put this in the notes you know that the esports could carry on you know nothing really yeah. changed like like the the casters are casting from their home instead of a studio yes yeah um, but that's how esports was anyway like yeah, exactly <laughs> it's always and the technology like is already there for them to do it like yeah nothing's having to be reinvented and no extra things having to be put into place or built up whereas like yeah. for for most sort of like sporting events or even like tv shows to be recorded etc a lot of new things have to be put in place but for esports it's already there so it just kind of mm. carries on which is great and this is then obviously been noticed by the more mainstream sporting bodies because they've adopted a very similar approach during the the, the highest levels of lockdown yeah. like as of time of recording a lot of sporting events are starting to continue with no crowds so like football games for example are being played but without any fans in the stadium and you know other sort of sporting events are continuing as normal in the same sort of way but during the highest level of lockdown where like no one was even really allowed to leave their houses you you had like sports teams having their players go and play the version of their yeah. game on on like PlayStation or Xbox or something yeah. and stream it and this to me is great in lots of ways but one of the best ways is that it makes the average audience member who might be interested in esports but doesn't know about it, aware that it exists. Mm. Because a lot of people wouldn't even think about like video games as a mm. watchable sport. Yeah. Until they go, I really enjoyed watching that FIFA stream the other night. You know, that was really fun. And that then might transition them into watching other streams of other mm. games that they might be rem even remotely interested in. Like maybe they, they've played some Destiny or something, you know, like or just as, as, as passively playing it as a, you know, as, a, as a fan. And maybe they go and watch a Destiny stream and that game sort of pushes them into realizing hang on video game streaming esports streaming is a thing yeah yeah there was also all the f1 stuff right because yes, f1 yeah. didn't run and they they did a lot of streaming of that with sort of like the proper sims like iRacing and stuff like that see i think it was all a facade though because like she seemed there, there was a facade <laughs> a facade <laughs> a facade a <laughs> facade <laughs> Oh my god, it's a frigate! <laughs> oh god! Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Don't tell me, Don't tell me. Outtakes! Don't tell me. You'll never let me at the end of it. <laughs> anyway, go on. You think it was a bit of a facade? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I don't feel like esports overall has really gone as far as i thought it would in the last few years i think coronavirus has helped it a little bit yeah weirdly yeah. even then not that much um so it'll be interesting to see what happens in another three years because yeah it, it's it's an interesting one i definitely thought they would be further along something else that hasn't really changed i was looking back over the episodes and one i wanted to point out was um there's an episode where we talk about uh, it's episode 19 and we talk about the in-game illusion. Ah, uh, like yes. Trailers um, with, like, fake, you know, was fake this, Was this in response to, like, uh, Star Wars Battlefront or something? something I feel like, like Something yeah. like that. One of those sort of, like, uh, Frostbite games. And today we're going to talk about video game trailers and what you've dubbed the in-game illusion. Yeah. Which I think is quite a cool little tagline to our I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, I think it was, it was a joint effort. I'll take some credit for it. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. We're quite pleased with that. <laughs> That's better. Um, essentially, th this this kind of came from us discussing the use of sort of cinematics within video game trailers and advertisement. Mm. And that got us talking a lot about the use of just video game trailers as a whole, like the ups and downs of it, the way publishers go out of their way to either pull the wool over your eyes or to make it seem like it's in-game and like advertising a product which isn't necessarily what they 
are going to be selling and just kind of like the difficulties with it as well because of like the fact that there is no necessary rules in place and they can get away with a lot but maybe they can't and that's what we're going to be discussing yeah and we're also going to and like this hasn't changed at all uh (laughs) in in a few years like it's still exactly the same it's still this still comes up you know in in conversation in 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 the coverage of video games and stuff like that you know games not being the same as they were when they were demoed you know i'm imagining that this is going to be a big thing when uh cyberpunk 2077 comes out which still hasn't i'm imagining that looks very different to what it looked like in those demos many many years ago (laughs) the thing that stands out to me when you've talked about this now is i don't know if you watched it but the ps5 like an announcement trailer right like they showed off so many games and i'm like that won't look like that or that looks like garbage because it is trying to run in its actual engine like you you damned if you do damned if you don't right because if you if you do show off what it actually looks like you go actually that doesn't look too good because it's not finished yet yeah. and then if you don't show off what it really looks like people are like calling you out on basically just being a you know a two minute long cinematic trailer mm. <laughs> yeah i think we're at a point actually it's a great point when, when you're talking about the ps5 you know now more than this is a particular point in time for video games where that whole concept is going to be come to the forefront again because it always does with the release of new consoles well especially um, with the ps5 and the xbox whatever series because X. stupid names it is a stupid name i mean don't get me wrong i mean you can only go so many far like ps5 ps6 etc but at least it makes sense right what's xbox xbox one xbox series s got oh on 360 like anyway um these companies are still trying to push their products as a look at the amazing graphics, right? And mm. I was watching a lot of these trailers, be it in-game or not in-game. And I'm like, they don't look that different to what we have yeah. now, really. Like, the noticeable jump between, say, PS1 to PS2 or PS2 to PS3 was pretty obvious. Like, you could see, like, wow, that looks so cool. Now I'm like, yeah, it looks great, but it also looks great as it is now anyway. Like, Very true. Um, I just, I think maybe they're just missing, they are trying to do what they've always done, which I don't think you can do anymore. I think they have now hit that crescendo of games will only ever look so good now until some other sort of massive change in technology, like VR, for example, changes things. Yeah, and I guess ray tracing is making a difference, but I don't know if we're really seeing much in the way of ray tracing on consoles yet. No. Um, I think, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed, you know, when you think about some of the things that we've talked about, like games as a service and Stadia and, you know, streaming games and all of that kind of stuff. And we've always said, you know, that we think that generations the generational thing is going to break down. But and clearly, it does, right they don't now, want it to. <laughs> at the time of recording, we're, we're going into another one. Like, yeah. we're going into another generation. And it definitely feels weird, right? It, I feel like, you know, before it felt like that, t- that time was over. Now it feels like it's like we're flogging a dead horse. You know? It almost felt a bit weird with Xbox One and PS4, right? Like, yeah. it, you could see the upgrade between PS3 and PS4 and, mm. and 360 and Xbox One. There was quite a lot of technological differences between the two, but now there really doesn't seem to be any difference whatsoever. Like, yeah. you have enough space on all these hard drives, you have enough internet connection to be able to do whatever you want to do in terms of, like, downloadable content. Just They're just PCs in a box now. There's and nothing they're, interesting about And they're getting more them. expensive, right? Like, yes. the PS5 is going to be more expensive. How much is it? That's, like, 450 No, uh, pounds is... <laughs> But yeah, four fifty pounds. Yeah, I think so. Um, like that's obscene. Like, if wasn't, not the, more. wasn't the PS4 like two nine nine? Wasn't that the whole point? Like, it beat out Microsoft. Yeah, I think so. But they're just becoming more expensive. And honestly, don't get me wrong, I, the tech is better. It, you, like, if you just look at numbers, the numbers are absolutely better. But that only translates into so much of a noticeable difference in the experience itself. Yeah. And I don't think it's worth... This is like when you upgrade your PC and you can either spend £100 a graphics card or £300 a graphics card, but you're only getting like an extra 10% worth of power from that extra £200, you know? So, I don't know. This The in-game illusion problem is going to get worse than ever, I feel, because they just need to... They need to make these games look incredible to, to justify people buying yet another iteration of effectively, effectively the same thing they already own. Yeah. Um, and I think people are going to be, continue to be bamboozled by it. And the other thing that... The other thing that is sort of related to that is related to the in-game illusion and changes in, in sort of generations of new consoles... Uh, is VR, right? We talked about VR all the way back in um, July 2017. Mm -hmm. It was episode 20. 
And we touched uh, on it kind of recently as well with Alex too. Yeah, we did. And today we're going to talk about the state of home virtual reality products. Things like the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. And also the PlayStation VR, which is kind of a console version of those two products, which are for PC. Uh, so back in back in episode 20, we had had a go with uh, the Oculus Rift. Uh, and then now I've got a Quest uh, and I've been playing some Half-Life Alex. And again, you know, this hasn't really moved along quite as far maybe as we thought. Mm. Uh, I think that the Quest was a big leap in that we sort of moved away from coupled to, P, you know, uh, headsets coupled to PCs and the hardware has definitely improved yeah across that, the board that's, that's the difference isn't it like the hardware has certainly made quite a lot significant jumps prices have come down yeah. they're still expensive but they're nowhere near as much as they were like mm. where the only one you could buy was the Oculus and it was the dev kit rather than like the actual final yeah. product and all that but the games just haven't really come on that much. They're still sort of the same techie mm. demo type ones, except for Alex, I feel. Yeah. Um, you know, than they were three years ago from now. Yeah, there's a handful, but we're really only just now, like you say, with Half-Life Alex, we're only just seeing, since 2017 to now, we're only now starting to see that kind of serious um, level of game mm. and commitment from developers. I um, don't think it helped that... And, and quote me if I'm wrong, because I haven't followed the space, so I could be incorrect about this, but it feels like Sony sort of like lost a bit of interest in pushing their VR, like the PS PSVR. Yeah, it's still a thing, right? But you're right. Like, it, it seemed like that was an opportunity to really make it Capture the market for console gamers on a more affordable level, and it's simply being just a plug-and-play thing rather than with PCs, right. which are a lot more finicky. But it just seems to have not been pushed. Yeah, I think maybe the PS4, even the PS4 Pro, just isn't quite powerful enough. Mm. So maybe, I don't know, I've not really seen a lot about the PS5 in terms of VR. No, I don't think they mentioned it. And I've not they? really been following the coverage. So I don't know if VR is part of the strategy there. If it isn't, then that's a real shame, because that's a, ba- that's a backward step um, for VR. And today we wanted to discuss something that we both participate in regularly, uh, but maybe something that we've not really touched on before, and that is online that's, content. That, that sounded so... <laughs> something we participate in regularly, but haven't really talked about that much. Well, we haven't. It's something that's part of our daily lives, right? It's just like, what are we about to start talking about? you the one that went there with that, not me. <laughs> fine, fine. We, we'll do it differently. We won't use that. Tell you the professionalism, I tell it's just not there. One thing I'd like to see VR do, and you've sort of very finely touched on it now, is sort of go the way of the switch, right? And that's kind of what the quest is. Have it be one or the other, have it be a portable device like the quest is natively, but then build in a more robust way other than having to buy a 200 pound cable or whatever it was <laughs> that you had to buy, yeah. you know, to turn it into a more like dedicated, powerful VR headset setup, right. you know. That would be the, the way forward, because that way you remove the barriers of people that want to have the hardcore simulation style of things, you know, playing things like Flight Simulator and Elite and racing games and stuff like that, to the people that want to play sort of the more fun, you know, shorter experiences, like, you know, your Robo Recalls and your Space mm. Pirate trainings and stuff like that. Have them be able to be done quickly and easily without the need for all these different setups and everything, you know? Yeah, agreed. And I think that's where Oculus want to go. I feel like they're the leading contender for making that happen mm-hmm. uh, because they seem to be the ones that are really trying to innovate with the Quest, with, cha- you know, adding the ability to do the link and so on and so forth. Whereas you look at Valve, you know, with the Valve Index, it's just like the most expensive, technically good VR. Like there's still a lot of just like more tech, more tech, rather yeah. than like actually thinking about the experience of setup. Yeah, that's and the problem. Using. It's it's still being marketed almost exclusively towards pretty well knowledgeable people yeah. who who have very powerful PCs exactly. that have quite a lot of money to throw at this. And, and again, patience, and, to, and patience to, yeah, because yeah, you've got to do a lot of Googling yeah. <laughs> to get it to work. Yeah. And I know we've already mentioned it, but the, the only one that seems to have tried to not do that was the, the PlayStation VR. Yeah, definitely. You know? And to some extent, the Quest, but even that isn't the most 
user-friendly really. No, not with the link definitely isn't especially not with the link you know like it so it just feels like maybe that's where that needs to go and i think we said this in this episode three years ago right in the the at the moment because the the price of it is so high that the only people they can realistically mm. market to are those hardcore enthusiasts yeah and right now the more casual player just is they're just priced out because definitely. it's more expensive and i just feel like that's how it needs to go to be able to get more market penetration to have more innovation with the games and the hardware yeah maybe the higher price of consoles you know with the ps5 Mm. is going to carve out a price point for expensive for quite high priced uh, vr headsets like the quest because consoles just are even more expensive like you're kind of like adding a price point underneath which is like oh cool a like vr headset is cheaper than a ps5 (laughs) and it's like okay so i can have like it makes more sense yeah Yeah. like suddenly you've now you're choosing between like a cheap vr experience or an expensive ps5 under your tv like that's an interesting choice to have to make going from one episode that we we did back in 2017 to when we did was it in 2018 i think i think so yeah yeah, yeah where September. this was sort of one of our this was during our period when we were doing quite a lot of uh collab episodes with partners yeah, right we did. And, and we haven't done a lot since and, and it's definitely something i want to try and get more on board with especially mm. during covid where we got like more time with people and more at home you know uh, and that's one of the episodes we did that we were really proud of with with uh, CFG Code First Girls. Mm, yeah, and that was that took quite a long time to put together. It like did. That, that was quite a lot of admin work and a lot of like you know emails back and forward and trying to get things working. But it when it came together, it, it really worked out a lot mm. easier than I expected it to. Yeah. We've got a really interesting episode because. Where we've previously had, you know, a guest, or it's just the two of us. Um, In this case, we're trying to juggle um, four people in total on the episode. Um, So we've got a couple of guests on. We've got um, Amali and we've got Lizzie. And we're going to talk a little bit about an organization called Code First Girls, um, which is an organization that um, is seeking to get more women into into tech and into software development um, and sort of get more get more women coding, I guess. Amali um, is the you're the CEO, is that right, of, of Code First Girls? That is indeed, yeah. And then we've also got Lizzie, who is um, a, a developer at the company that I work for, but also um, has has is a Code First Girls instructor, and also you did a Code First Girls course as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was really good. It was the episode where we had um, Amali on, who was the CEO of, of Code First Girls, um, and also my friend and colleague um, Lizzie, who was a Code First Girls. Um, instructor and mm-hmm. previously before that you know took their courses and yeah it was that was I sort of wanted to pull that out really as just a highlight you know it's funny how it was almost exactly halfway as well because it was episode 51 yeah um because yeah that was just really fun it was really it was really cool to like be approached to do that as well and uh Amali actually got an MBE uh, in the new year's honors list uh, nice. just after that episode you know like that was in September and then the honors list was in just the end of the FM doing its thing again. Yeah, uh, you know that's. Uh, I wouldn't want to say that. You know, the people who decide on the honors uh, are listening to Octal FM, but you know, I don't know. Maybe they are. I mean, I think when you compare our episode to other episodes that she did with some other podcasts and other services, I don't want to say ours was better, but ours was better. <laughs> um, but yeah, and she's actually not. Amali's not at CFG anymore. She now works for Microsoft. Um, but yeah, they're still they're still going, still doing well. So yeah, that was a really really fun episode and and just that whole kind of period like you say you know we also had a couple of episodes with l chesters talking mm-hmm. about hci and stuff like that and also yep. uh we did the episode about unity with louise swift yeah um, and we did our Pokemon episode kind of with marty yeah episode with marty that was a bit earlier um, it was a little earlier yeah uh, but uh yeah we, we we had some good uh we had some really nice like guest episodes you know guests and guest episodes uh around that kind of time and then like you say that sort of fell off a little bit we sort of I, I feel like actually this is a great point to like look at sort of the first half of Octal FM and the second half so far. Don't worry, the, the, there isn't a surprise announcement that we're cancelling the, the <laughs> podcast at the end of this. In that there was a lot more kind of ad hoc stuff in the first half, you know, really kind of like just trying different episode types out, different discussion points, bringing guests on, you know, doing recurring stuff. And, you know, th- this is also where we started to do soundbite sort of mm. around this kind of time as well um so so moving up into doing weekly releases 
And then from this kind of point on, um, and around this sort of time, around the midpoint, we started to bring in more uh, like regular styles yeah. of shows, you know, sort of like, not, I don't want to say it in kind of a negative way, but sort of like templates of, of shows in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, things that we want to regularly do. So things like Game Club uh, and, you know, always doing a travel log. Uh, mm -hmm. when we've when we've been traveling places and uh me watching anime and, and sort of you know best ofs and, and all of that kind of stuff you know we sort of really started to pull those in as regular things because one of the challenges that we always had and probably why we haven't had that many guest shows afterwards is fitting in the organization and the planning of episodes mm. around our daily lives yeah so by having these kind of regular occurring things things that we actually also just really enjoy recording and and, and planning for yeah it's really kind of helped us um just keep up with releasing episodes because we're doing it as kind of like a game club if you think like a book club but for a game yeah uh, essentially and we sort of picked a game a few weeks ago to both pick up completely fresh and then play it in our own time uh, and sort of come to our own conclusions and, and our sort of own first impressions of the game uh, and then come back together for the episode to then sort of talk about it and talk about what we thought. And, you know, because we haven't talked about it to each other, we haven't really done prep together for this episode. Instead, we've just sort of prepared by playing the game um, and making some notes, yeah. or at least in your case, making some notes, and in my case, not making any notes. <laughs> um, and so that we just sort of have, you know, like, just so that we come to it fresh as a as a unit. Uh, and then, mm. you know, it'd be interesting to see sort of how the conversation comes out and sort of, you know, keep it a little bit more discussion rather than, you know, structure. And it's not a, it's not a review as such. It's more of a like what is our collective first impressions and what do we yeah. each think about the game and, you know, and, and sort of see where that goes. Although we really enjoyed some of the more bespoke episodes we've done in the past, and we still occasionally yeah. do those ones that require a little bit more time. Like, for example, the... Uh, the episode we did recently on Borderlands Retrospective, for example, mm. took a little bit longer to put together. And also to the, about... um, the contact tracing one. Uh, yeah, again, that, that took a little tracing. bit of research, a little bit of like thought process outside of the normal things. But a lot of the time, we don't have quite, like you say, a lot of free time to do those things. So having those templates that we can then slot in thoughts and ideas and stuff that we're already doing anyway into kind of works well. And plus, I found as well, any episode that we're talking about something that we enjoy always comes out better because mm. it flows easier things are simply mm. simply easier to talk about if we want to talk about them <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense you know exactly um so like all of our regular features for me more than any anyone else's game club you know mm. there's something i look forward to recording oh cool we're doing game club this week or you know oh great you know we're doing the anime episode because i like that formula i like mm. being able to just slot in what we need to say and it comes out really simple because we can focus more on the talking rather than the planning. Yeah, agreed. It's definitely my, for me now, you know, thinking about like Octal FM is sort of, a lot of it is a chance for us to just have a chat and a catch up, right? We're not mm. trying to build a successful podcast. And, and I've been me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. You use your handles and I'm like, Kaney. No, oh, it was good when you said, and I've been me. That was... We'll cut that then. <laughs> We're going to have to say that bit again. And then just cut into Gelada saying, like, can um, I say it less weird sure. yes. and so giving ourselves kind of goals in terms of like oh let's play this game so that we can talk about it or oh let's i'll watch this anime so we can talk mm. about it or you know the travel logs you know is like a just a chance for you and i to catch up about where we've been mm -hmm. and they turn into like the the episodes that i that I sort of enjoy looking back on and thinking, oh, that was really, you know, fun to record or also just kind of like as a, a weird way, like we're building this sort of little memory bank, if you like, yeah. of episodes, especially with the travel logs where, you know, we've got these um, sort of records of the stuff that we've done. Yeah, it, it's kind of like this is our adult version of our old episode an old podcast where we were talking about things that we were doing while we were at school right mm. and we can listen back to them and go wow i don't remember ever doing that but obviously i did and obviously i was interested in it because yeah. we're talking about it to, right. to quite some extent you know and and you'll have been hearing some of the uh 
the outtakes from those old episodes as well as we've yeah. been going through the show, um, you can tell the quality difference, <laughs> of course. They obviously know that. Well, you never know. Someone might go tinyworld.com d9awe and go, hey, it's not working. But at least we get an email. Anyway, <laughs> your links don't work. You knew. Do something. Ruffle. Ruffle the mail. But I, I just enjoy being able to talk about interesting things. Like the travel log's a good one, as you say, because we can use it as a good opportunity to make a good show often time lasts two episodes so that's two two lots of you know content to release well it's also like you say catching up on things and, and talking about what we enjoy doing another point for me and this sort of brings me back almost to the very beginning of the episode is doing oxal fm gives me a little bit of structure towards maybe breaking out of a comfort zone right so for example game clubs are a good example of this and i'm sure the same is for you for watching the animes and everything I can often get like stuck in playing the same game or watching mm. the same thing. Mm. And I'm not challenging myself. I'm not breaking out of, of sort of my pre-established infotainment side of things. Yeah. And so Octal FM forces me to. It makes me like look at things outside of what I'm already doing. Or it makes me talk about things I have been doing, but with someone that doesn't necessarily know about them. So I have to talk about it in a different way and I look at it in a different yeah. light, etc. This is actually a great... Um a great point. And this is something that you can apply, anyone can apply to what they do, not necessarily with a podcast, but one of the other ways that you can do this, not to turn this into like a life coaching episode, <laughs> is with writing, right? So um, that sort of idea of, of being pushed out of your comfort zone, of, of looking at the things that you're doing differently, or, you know, making yourself do something that you wouldn't normally do. One of the great ways to to do that, even if you don't want to do it as a podcast, is to write, is to mm. like have a blog um, or or some something that you write where you give yourself again those same things. Like it's like, okay, I'm going to play this game and I'm going to write about it and I'm going to publish a, an article about this game in like six weeks time. So I need to, mm. I need to write about it. It's, it's like giving yourself a publicly known burning platform. Exactly. It's definitely easier when there's two of you because then you're like, you know, you're, you don't want to let the other one down. Exactly. You've got each other's deadline, but even on your own, you can actually do that. And it's a great way to, to sort of not only get better at writing or in our case, recording and talking, but also, you know, trying some other things. You know, a lot of people always say like, oh, I hate my, hate the sound of my own voice um you know and we we definitely don't have that problem because you once you've done it you've done this a lot you are very used to hearing your own voice yeah you really are although i must say like a little bit behind the curtains thing for the episode when i'm editing i find myself like going yeah i agree with myself a lot yeah but then oftentimes i'm like i probably should edit this but it makes sense to me so it's probably fine right but i'm like no i probably because i always edit you more than i edit me and yeah, I'm like, yeah. it's just because it's hard to question like uh, my way of sounding makes sense to me and but maybe doesn't make sense to everyone else That's so funny. Yeah. it's a little bit behind the curtains and i'm sure you had the same thing when you were doing the editing for the, yeah, the shows yeah. you know like you often probably edited me more than you edited yourself you know but yeah, the, that's that's a little, a little bit behind the, the curtains thing is the editing of th things has become a lot easier over the past 100 episodes too. Mm. Like at first, obviously you were doing all the editing and I don't think I really did almost anything. And then I took over doing the bulk of the editing and then you sort of did the, the splicing of things together at the end and like publishing it and looking after the website. And that used to take me a long time. But now, like, I find it just takes double the length of the episode itself, which right. is not not too bad at all. Like, an average 35, 40-minute episode only takes me, like, an hour and a half at most. Mm -hmm. So, that can usually... <laughs> and I'll, I'll be honest, it often gets done on Tuesday morning before it goes out on <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Um, you know, but I find, for the most part, things have been a lot easier, a lot flowing more recently. Um, editing has become a lot simpler. Um, and occasionally we try and like new things like in this episode, for example, like splicing in some of the old outtakes has been, been a bit of an interesting challenge, but mm. it, it just adds a little bit more to the podcast. And I feel like we, we should be also be proud of the quality of that too, mm. because I feel many shows often don't have that quite that level of, of care around editing or production value. And that's not to say that like we're incredible, but it, it's, it's also above average, I would say. Mm. Yeah. That's some screaming children. 
Oh, is that coming through? <laughs> that did come through. That's quite unusual, isn't it? Normally these things yeah, don't normally come things don't come through. Yeah, that's funny. That's um, staying in. <laughs> that's down, Duke. <laughs> in terms of sort of, you know, the next hundred episodes of Oxford FM, let's be which op- there will be, which be will be optimistic. I think I like I said, I really like the sort of regular segments and things that we've you know things that we've kind of fallen into doing. Uh, sort of templated things, things that push us to try things or get out of our comfort zone and actually make us do something um, is really good because that just gives a lot of extra value for us. Hmm. So more, you know, continue doing things like Game Club and watching anime and stuff like that. I would like to get back to having some guests on the show. Hmm. Um, that's that's basically what I was going to say was hmm. I think we should probably like maybe put ourselves out there now and, and try and be a little bit more aggressive in looking Mm. for people to talk to because there's plenty of like game people i would love to talk to about like games that they've worked on but and sometimes it just it's just really hard to do to get anywhere like i remember when we were doing an episode surrounding the the three space games no man's sky um star citizen as an elite and the only people that got back to us were star citizen and it was probably just because they wanted to sell us something um yeah (laughs) sometimes it doesn't always come through but other times you send an email and you immediately get back here yeah absolutely like let's try and work something out and Mm. you just you have to take that first step and be brave enough with your product like our podcast isn't the biggest but like we just said like it isn't low quality either so i think if you're upfront about things and say look we 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 would love to talk to you on this this podcast and i think if you're confident that kind of comes across to the people that you're messaging and they will probably give Mm. you some time Mm. um if you're honest and open about it yeah definitely but yeah, so hopefully see a bit more, a little bit more in terms of guests, um, but otherwise probably some more of the kind of recurring segments. But, uh, you know, really no plans to, no plans yet to wind down. Um, still going strong. Uh, no, we've, we've got a quite a hefty backlog of, of mm. content uh, ideas to work through as well we um, that we haven't recorded yet. So. And there's always obviously more to come and then things change over time is like, oh, this is a really interesting thing to talk about. So, you know, like we've got plenty in the tank, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, and but if you've got any ideas, yeah. we're happy to take those as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you can definitely share share with us your thoughts. What's, you know, what are your favorite bits of Oxal FM? Does it sound terrible that we're going to do more game clubs and travel logs? Um, or does that sound great? Um, you should let us know. Um, send us an email show at octal.fm or send us a tweet at octal.fm on the twitters or you can come and find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash octal.fm or instagram octal.fm on mm, the old instagrams all of, those. all of those things but yeah this will be really fun a little bit of a reminisce looking back over the last 101 episodes um not including the sound bites it'll be what like 170 or something yeah, something like that with the soundbites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one little final thank you, I think, needs to go to uh, to Jax with Runaway Fashion. Oh, yeah, Fashions. absolutely. Again, um, I, I've um, always like, been forgetting to put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, see Jax or Jax um, with our intro and outro music, which is still going 100, 100 episodes it's a, in. It's a classic. It's, <laughs> it's a classic. made it a classic. It's turned into a yeah, classic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can only thank thank them for for allowing us to use it all these years absolutely and you're going to hear a little bit of that now (laughs) and uh, in the meantime I've been Jalada and I've been Saffron and catch us again for another 100 episodes of Oxal FM very soon what happens when we get to 800 or so we we have to change from Oxal FM to like Decadent FM or something (laughs) FM. yeah oh my god well, just be thankful that we didn't name them, like we didn't number them as Oxal numbers like we did with... Um, did we actually do that with Life and X? No, we didn't. We thought about it. I think we thought about it and went, no, that, that's no. really obscure. Yeah. Can't go <laughs> from episode arrogant. 9 to episode A. <laughs>
but it's, it's, episode one of it will be running on uh, the TV channel in America called Anime Network. Not to be confused with the... You little sh- <laughs> Mix Wizard, you know what I just did. You didn't tell me you had it! Oh, new smell. You little piece <laughs> smell. I'm going to hate you. <laughs> 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 Oh, that was hilarious. Mix wanted to actually come around just to see your reaction. You little sh... Oh. <laughs> uh, for those that don't have, like, video audio, um, I just... I don't have video audio. <laughs> I just pulled out my copy of 2142 that arrived in the post this morning. You're an arsehole. You I really know, are. I know. <sighs> that felt good. Why during my anime section? My <laughs> that, section. That was the point. <laughs> what am I going to do with your text and pull something out? Oh, dear. Uh, oh no. Uh, oh, God, BF2142 jokes. Anyway, back to the anime section. I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to murder you after the show. After the show. Probably. No, I'm going to murder you in the show. It's unedited. Damn it. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about you editing the show. I can just release it myself. <sighs> so, Guyver then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. That made the show all worthwhile. <laughs>